All right, people, the intro this week is a little bit different, so stay tuned. I'm still Chris Hall, and this is still the Downtime Podcast, and we're going to be delving deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. But first off, I want to tell you about something brand new. Over the last few months, I've been working away with an awesome group of people on a very special project to bring something new to the mountain bike world. We're starting to get pretty close to being ready to launch it, and we'd love you to be involved. If, like me, you love all the details and just can't get enough of this awesome sport, then this really is for you. It's called Downtime EP, and I can tell you that it's not going to be another podcast. In fact, it's not even going to be made of zeros and ones. I can't tell you much more than that right now, but if you want to be amongst the first people on the planet to find out more, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now, pop in your name and your email address, and we'll be in touch really soon to tell you more about it. I will say that myself and everyone involved is super excited about this and we cannot wait to get Downtime EP out into the open for you all. So head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now and leave your name and email address. That's downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. There's also a link from the menu at the top of my website. As always, please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform it is that you listen. There's probably a button there that says follow or subscribe, so hit that now. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it drops. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe where there's links to all the major platforms there to help you. I'd also really love it if you can give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's the best place to keep up to date with what's going on and it's always lovely to hear from you in the comments and the messages there. All right, with the second round of the Downhill World Cup taking place in Leger this weekend, I'm privileged to be joined by the holder of the leader's jersey and your current world champion, Camille Ballanche. Camille is a pretty recent convert to mountain biking and has an incredible background in other disciplines, including being an Olympic athlete. We chat about her background and her journey from a sports science degree through enduro racing and into the top ranks of World Cup Downhill. Camille gives some great insight into her approach to racing, her warm-ups, mindset, bike setup, training, and much, much more. So, without further ado, here's Camille Ballanche. Camille Ballanche, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you? Hey, thank you. Nice to meet you, and uh, I'm all good. I'm back home. So. Nice. Yeah, having a nice, relaxing morning so far. Yeah. Yeah, really re- relaxing day. Just. I did the stuff I had to do at home and I'm just going to go for a little team session this afternoon. Yeah. And is that kind of final preparation before Leger World Cup? Have you got m- many more gym sessions before then? Yeah, just two. I mean, the the the, the work has been done this, this off-season. So now it's just like some repetition to to show the body, like to, to give him more input like we did. And just, but the, the main thing is to stay refreshed and not to be like tired for the race so it's just like a couple of easy runs couple of sprints um but nothing too crazy yeah very nice well let's let's wind back the clock um and start kind of in the early days of your life and um i get the impression that you've always been quite sporty did you did you grow up in a sporting family yeah i can say that for sure yeah my my dad was a, a pro athlete as well and ski jumping and my mom is also really passionate about every sport like cycling or running or most endurance stuff but yeah I grew up in a really sportive family yeah and what was there a sort of a competitive environment at home as well like do, do you have brothers and sisters yeah I have a sister the biggest one uh-huh. and yeah I guess so like we played a lot like cards or like just games and 
Yeah, I loved <laughs> I loved the competition from from <laughs> the early age. Excellent. And um, so, what were the first kind of sports that you got into then? Mm, I think honestly, the first um, will be skiing. Mm-hmm. Like with two, two and three years old, I was already on the ski, and then like I don't know, I was just like walking with my parents in the forest, and um, I start biking also pretty early. So I guess ski and bike, and then pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you compete in skiing then? I did, but just until I was twelve years old, then okay. Yeah, then I just didn't like like the environment. Like everyone was like so material oriented and be like, oh, you don't have that brand. You're not going to come with us on the lift or blah, blah. And so I just didn't really like it. Yeah, fair, fair enough. And um, fencing, I guess, was something that you got into at a relatively young age. And that was that the first sport that you were competing at a really high level in? Yeah, I can say that yeah, for sure. Like I was yeah, I was quite talented and I won pretty, pretty much every, you know, every game I did. And at one point, like I probably just missed like a real structure or like, I don't know, like I was, I enjoyed it, but I was kind of missing some challenge or like a better training opportunity. And I got to know, uh, ice hockey and I had so many friends playing ice hockey and I, I was like, Oh, this is also so cool. So yeah, just, Try, uh, started to play outside with my friend and for me it was much funnier to play like to be in a team and have friends than just fencing myself alone so I guess that's why I changed it yeah okay yeah but you were before you changed you were twice national fencing champion is that right yes yes junior <laughs> yeah okay and what what are the kind of key skills to be good at fencing I'm guessing reaction times yeah, are exactly important fast, like reaction time fast moving and like i would say anticipating as well like you uh-huh. kind of have to think what the other gonna do to block it and then to to attack again so i guess yeah fast. do you think do you think there's similar skill set that's relevant in ice hockey then because that's a very fast paced mm-hmm. game yeah also it just it's quite different but for sure it helps like as as young as you can be train like reactive stuff and fast stuff then it's always the best because obviously with the age we go even we go slower and slower so so um for sure that was that was good to start with fencing yeah and then with the ice hockey side of things you you really progressed kind of well i guess as far as you can go with that right so you you work your way up to playing with the the national team and that eventually took you to a Winter Olympics uh, in 2010. Was that Vancouver? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was just like for me, it was a it was a game, and um, like I said, it was like a team sport where I could really enjoy like every training, every games. Like it was a, a game and not like a training. So yeah, for me, it was really like a passion, and I think it still is. Um. Sometimes, like if I compare to now with biking, I really, really love biking. I love to be outside. And I think there is also better stuff in biking than in ice hockey. But sometimes when I have to do an interval or so, it's not that funny. (laughs) It's not that cool to do. And in hockey, it was always cool. Like I was always happy to go to the training and it never has been like, oh, no, I need to go. It was always like, oh, 
I really, I'm really excited and looking forward to it. That's, I think that's the difference. Like in biking, sometimes kind of have to do some stuff and it's more like a training than, than a game. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. What was it like to be part of the Swiss Olympic squad? That's a huge, uh, huge undertaking as an athlete to go and represent your, com- your, your country at the Olympics. Yes, I was very proud. Uh, I was the only French-speaking girl in the team. Everyone else okay. was from the German side. So uh, the first year was pretty hard for me because I couldn't understand the world. So I was like on the ice and trying to figure out which exercise we, we need to do and where, where I need to go. And so it was quite stressful. But then I got some friends who were like Ylang and they translate me <laughs> this stuff. And then I got better and better. And that's also why probably I can speak German now, like from, from my young age. I always listen to German so that was good mm-hmm. for sure but that was also quite stressful yeah. so yeah I was I was just really proud to be part of it and that was a nice experience for sure yeah and what what was it that led you to kind of step away from playing ice hockey at that high level it's many things but um so when I was 18 I wasn't able to play with the man anymore because like it's getting too dangerous with like the difference of the body shape and like so with 18 you're not allowed to play with men anymore so um at that time where i lived um there wasn't any uh, national um the first league for the women so mm-hmm. i was like okay i got the opportunity to go to canada to play there because um yeah the level is way better for the women there so i went there um, and I was also in university in sport, which was my dream. Like I always knew I wanted to study sports science. Um, so I was there, I wasn't there and it was like sick. It was just like the dream to play ice hockey, um, in Canada. But I just realized after a year that uh, I'm never going to be a pro athlete because like you can, as a woman, it's just no budget, nothing. So right, okay. I was like, yeah, I was like, almost 19 I was like yeah well <laughs> I'm not gonna do that all my life and just be like workless so um also in the university I didn't really liked it because we were like too many people like you are like 100 in the classes and I needed more attention <laughs> so <laughs> so my dream was to do that high school in Switzerland which is really special because they always they only take the best 30 um people each year and uh, then you have way more sport than another school. So um, I really wanted to do that. And so I did the test and I went in. So then it was almost impossible to keep going with hockey because you're like having sport for four hours a day. And then, yeah, you have to train for other discipline and other exam that you have. So, yeah, just let it go. And I just focused on my studying for five years until uh-huh. I had my master's degree. And during the study, um, I I did some biking there, and that's how I, I went into biking after that. Yeah, so there was mountain biking kind of as part of the degree course, yeah? That was one of yeah. the sports that you did. Yeah, in summer, you can choose, like, you have, like, they call it blog it's like a week of, of sports you can take, and then you got credits for it. And I took mountain biking, and it was for a week, and it was just so cool that I was like, oh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I think that's going to be for me. And after that, I bought my my first mountain bike and I kept going. Nice. What was your first mountain bike? Can you remember? Yeah, it was, (laughs) 
I got uh, <laughs> my sister helped me to choose, but she's more into cross country, so <laughs> she made me bought bought a it was a Spark um, 29er, but like just under 30 travel and 110 like a cross country bike. So it was cool, but I like to go downhill mostly. So I was like, oh, this is cool. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then it's quite rough. And I, I had the chance to try the bike for one of my friends. It was a trail bike, more enduro. And then I was like, ah, okay, <laughs> this is actually what I need. And then the year after I sold my bike and I bought a, like a genius, like a proper downhill bike, uh, a proper enduro bike. Uh-huh. And I had way more fun with it. <laughs> were you were you kind of naturally quick? Did did some of the skills that you already had through sport transfer over to riding the downhill side of things? Yeah, I think it went a bit faster for me. But I, I, the problem was that I was a bit fearless at the beginning, okay. and I was going really fast, but not really in control. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was a bit sketchy. But I think I loved the adrenaline and. Yeah, just to be outside and like the challenge of doing passing an obstacle or like jumping, that was just, I really liked it. Yeah. Did you not have quite a bad crash quite early on? Yeah, exactly. Like in 2014, I was just like, really, I was a beginner and I was going in Shomo. It's like 20 minutes from home. It's like huge jump, probably 50 jump. Like it's huge, but I just wanted to go have a look and I didn't want to jump anything, but then um, I was alone and I just wanted to roll a double, but I didn't expect it to be like a big hole with uh, with branches. So I rolled it, but then it took me over the bar and I just kept rolling and I hit a tree and then, yeah, I broke three cervicals. <laughs> so that took me away for like a year of wow. any sport, uh, pretty much, yeah. That's enough to put most people off a sport to have that experience early on. Yeah, like, and then everyone was like, oh, I threw the bag, that's so dangerous, blah, blah, blah. It was, like, really, like, just unlucky stuff because I didn't even take risk or, like, try to go fast. So it was just bad luck, like, and then, yeah, I was, like, in my head, I was not, I'm not going to stop doing that because of that accident. So, yeah, I just kept going and I just have to be, uh, to be careful with my left arm because um it touched my my nerves and then I didn't have any like tri- triceps and other muscle for, for a long time so I was quite weak on this side but luckily with the suspension um I was still able to ride and hold on on the on the end of bar okay is that all kind of back to normal now have you been able to, re- been able to regain full strength there um like it's it's good but it's still weaker than the right side but obviously like now I'm I'm way better <laughs> in strength, so I, I guess like it's a normal per- person. But I can feel it like if I do many reps, then it, it's getting tired a bit earlier than the other one, and then uh, yeah, I can feel it. But I mean, probably I don't feel it on my downhill bike. I don't feel like it's a disadvantage or something. But I feel it in the gym if I do like bench press or stuff like that. Then yeah, I have to take like five five kilo less on this side interesting okay so was it inevitable then that once you discovered mountain biking that you were going to start racing at some point um i honestly i started racing really fast because my sister was just like oh i'm 
we have an enduro race at home, like in Chaumont, the same, same place where I crash. And she was like, yeah, you should just try it and blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, why not? Like, <laughs> I didn't expect anything, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to try. Sounds fun. So, yeah, I tried this race and I won. And I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was like really surprised. And then like, obviously everyone is like a series. And everyone was like, oh, you should keep going, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, why not? So I did, um, I don't remember exactly, but like three or four races. And I won every of the races. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is sick. And then, um, yeah, I just got to know other people. And I went into a team the next year or like the year after, but like really, uh, really quickly. And then uh, they were racing EWS. So I just went with them, traveled with them and started racing EWS pretty pretty soon yeah no messing about straight to the, the <laughs> highest level of racing available i think i think it was your second ever ews was rotorua in 2018 that was the first one yeah ah was it okay and that was super wet wasn't it really rough <laughs> yeah. muddy weekend yeah exactly just pouring rain and like super long day like i remember it was like seven hours on the bike <laughs> And everything was slower, like it was so hard to be um, on time for the for the stage because every everything was so slow in the mud going up. So yeah, it was really really stressful, and I was like not ready physically to do that. But <laughs> I managed to finish the race. I'm like really well as well. So that was that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, you came fourth. Yeah, second off the podium. Actually, I was still second before the last stage, but I was like so tired. I was like, oh, I made it to the last stage, so I really took it easy because I didn't know my results. And then I lost all all the time in the last stage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's insane to kind of turn up at an event like that against riders that have been doing it for years and to put in a performance like that. I mean, how how did you feel getting that result? Were you expecting it? Was it a surprise? No, not at all, because obviously I didn't know what to expect. It was my first time and everyone was like, oh, most of the girls were like pro and doing it for a long time. So I was just there to see where I can be. And I was like, yeah, it motivated, motivated me a lot like to see that I can be in the front. And I guess because it was raining, it was better for me. <laughs> That's a bit more my condition. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So, you, I mean, you, you turn up at AWS. You get a fourth place in a field of people that have been doing it for a long time, but you didn't really hang about at the EWS events for very long. Like what, what pulled you away from that and, and made you want to go and, and concentrate on the downhill side of things? Yeah, I really liked like the downhill side of the Enduro, but then it was just too much appeal for me. Like I tried the, the near, the year after I tried to train more to get a better endurance and I really tried to do more and so I don't suffer that much. But every time I try to do more hours of training, I just get either injured or like I had like knee problem, like or just um I didn't add any iron anymore in my body or like I felt um sick or whatever. So I think I'm really not <laughs> a good person in endurance. And like I've been just doing like really fast stuff in my life so mm -hmm. i think it was really hard to change that so yeah i tr really tried to uh, i took um a new coach um nicola singentaler is the coach from nidra shorter and we really try like to do the job go running or more hours on the bike but every time i went over 10 or 15 hours i just 
went sick or like had problems with my knee. So I was like, oh, that was quite annoying. And then, yeah, probably because of that, I wasn't enjoying the EWS anymore because every time I went to the races, I was like just too tired to enjoy it. So I was fine going, I was fine going down, but like the appeal was for me, mostly in my head. I was like, oh, I hate that. And I was always <laughs> complaining and it was always too long and too stressful. And I had to go way too fast up the hill for my, for my condition. So yeah, that's for sure the thing that made me quit because at one point in Ola, um, I was registered for all the OWS, but uh-huh. I wanted like the first day, honestly, in my head, I wanted to be injured. I was like, please crash and be injured. So you don't have wow. to go to the second day. And then in the evening I was like, but that's so ridiculous. Like you don't have to do it. So I was like, you stupid, you ju- just should uh, quit. So the first day I just didn't went back for the second and I was like, okay, now I'm over it. I took away like all the registration. I was like, I'm going to, I'm not going to do that anymore because I don't enjoy it. So I was just, yeah, it was just the uphill part that <laughs> I didn't enjoy. So yeah, I guess that's why uh, I went to downhill and then I enjoyed it like way more. <laughs> that was that was for me. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it, it didn't take you long to uh, get stuck into the downhill and, and head to a few World Cups. I think Lear Gang 2018 was your first ever downhill World Cup. Is that right? Yeah, because um, in that year where I quit um, Enduro, I didn't have any downhill or any sponsors for that. But I was like, okay, I need to try. Emily um was like pushing me you should try and I was scared I thought like downhill is for crazy people (laughs) and I'm gonna die but actually I think it's even less dangerous than enduro but so I bought my first downhill bike and then I asked her what I need to do um to race a World Cup or whatever and she told me that I need to get some points so we looked um at the calendar and we saw that in March it was the European ch- Championship in Lusa, mm-hmm. and uh, I asked the federation, and nobody went there, so I could go. So I went there, and I think I had to end up like 15, or I don't remember, to get that 40 points. Yeah. And then uh, I went there, and uh, that was my first downhill race, and I ended up third. So <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> I have enough points, so that went well. And then um, I could have do um, uh, in Croatia. How the name? Um, it's a World Cup in Croatia. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lozenge. Lozenge, exactly. So I could have go there, but then I was like, oh, it's quite far away. I don't have any wheels, spare wheels, any material. So Emily was like, mm, I don't think it's a good idea to start with uh, Lozenge. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, hey, okay. Where should I? I start and then she was like, I think Logan will be easier. We can go with the car. And um, yeah, it's a bit an easier track. So yeah, I decided to go to Logan for the first time. And uh, <laughs> I was really lucky because in Quali, Rachel Atterton went off the track and got stuck in, in the, <laughs> into the band. And uh, thanks to her, I just qualified 15. <laughs> so I was like really stuck. And then, uh, yeah, I think in finals I ended 12 or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, it was a really good first experience. And Leo Gang was always so far so good to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on to Val de Sol from there, which is a, 
a hell of a track for anyone's first season of the World <laughs> Cup downhill, right? Yes, exactly. So then second was Valdisol and it was raining and I was so scared because it was so steep and um, yeah, in quali, like pretty much every, everyone else, I crashed, but like my bike stay at the top and I slowed down, I slide down to the bottom and then I tried to get back up. It was almost impossible. It was so slippery. So yeah, I lost really too many times and then I didn't pass the quality. Um, so yeah, then I try a third one in Labres and uh, it was also raining, <laughs> but this time I managed to stay on my bike. Uh, so I made it to the finals and then I think I ended up 11. Yeah. So yeah, that was for the first year. And then after that, I was like, okay, no, that's what I want to do. And I tried to, to, to search for sponsor for downhill and have some spares. And, um, then after that, I could do my first, uh, full World Cup season. Yeah. So as a, as someone with a, a background as a professional athlete and a degree in sports science, like how did you look at your 2018 performance and decide what you needed to work on in the off season? Um, so first, I think this year in 2018, um, I trained myself, <laughs> uh-huh. which were looking back wasn't optimal because for sure I had like the knowledge of what I should train. And I've been learning that for the, for five years. And I think I knew quite a lot, but uh, it's just not the same when you are doing your own program or if someone else is doing it for you, like the motivation is not the same. And then if you're doing it yourself, you'll be like, oh, uh, today I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> I will change this. This is cooler. So um, I trained well, but um, the motivation was not like really high because obviously I knew I could not do it. It would be exactly the same. Um but I think it was, I could also benefit from the training of Emily and we trained the whole off season together and I could learn a lot of how I could go, should go to the racing and what I should do in the training, like which line I should do or like, yeah, what, what I should do at the races. So, um, I could benefit a lot from that for sure. Yeah. And you, you met Emily through her dad, right? It was her dad that was coaching you when you were doing the enduro stuff is that right yeah exactly yeah um yeah then basically we trained the whole week together and then we had two training sessions two gym sessions with him uh, and then yeah we just saw us pretty much every day and then we we basically basically become best friend until we become a bit more than best friend <laughs> <laughs> awesome that's a lovely story yeah so 2019 then you're you're committed to doing a full World Cup season and you're still a privateer at that point. How how hard was it to make that work kind of financially? I mean, I guess you had Emily out at the races there, so you had someone that you knew or that could help out with a bit of space or whatever. But beyond that, it must have been quite hard. Yeah. Um, financially, I was always working before. Like I was already working in a gym as um personal trainer and I or like in in the school as a teacher so I had a little bit on the side and there was a right just to sleep in the car and so it wasn't that expensive because we could go to the races and with the car so that was really good and the last one was in snowshoe mm-hmm. and I was really lucky that um world champ were just before so uh, actually, the Swiss team paid for my ticket to go to Monsantan, and be- and because we 
uh, we went to snowshoes just after they always they all also paid for my ticket back from social so actually it was uh, cool. like i didn't have to pay much just to rent a car and um, the apartment so um uh financially it was it was uh, it was okay and then yeah it was more like being alone all day or like just with emily and then in the evening everyone will go to the team and i will be like alone or like in the car or that was a bit hard and then yeah, you take a lot of energy to just book uh, the apartment and then uh, you need to go buy some food, cook, wash your bike to the mechanic. So that's all the stuff that uh, for sure is taking a lot of energy away from just the racing. But um, I think um, I was pretty well organized and I was lucky I didn't really break anything. So yeah, that was that was pretty good. <laughs> nice. What were your goals for that 2019 season then? Honestly, just to finish the season, my goal was to do all the World Cup and qualify for all the World Cup, and that was it. Like I didn't have like more expectation or anything. Yeah. So was it a surprise to be stood on the podium at Valdezol? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was lucky that um, it wasn't like everyone wasn't there. Like it was a lot of good girl injured, but I guess it's part of the sport as well, and that's how how. Like for me, I tried to be consistent and not to go all in and then be injured. So I guess you're also a bit slower if you try to stay in your in your range. Uh-huh. So yeah, I was not expecting it. <laughs> not in Valdisol. <laughs> this track is really gnarly. So <laughs> so uh, no, I was so stuck and it was a really good time as well. And yeah, I was just like, whoa, first full season and already a podium I was I was really stoked about it and yeah just really happy about it yeah and you followed that up with a podium in Lenzerheide as well did did teams start to kind of come your way at that point once you had a couple of podium results uh unfortunately not honestly but um (laughs) um yeah I I had some contact with like a lot of brands that I was I was working for and then because I was all the time alone in the paddock um I kind of like to speak to people. So I always was like in the specialized beat or there on there. And I kind of know pretty much every team manager so far. And then I asked like everyone. <laughs> so I did it this year and I was asking everyone to try to find a team. And then uh, after Lancerida, when I ended up uh, fifth again, um, I was like, the only person people yeah person who owns Vermeer or like who was interested was Dorval and then uh, the manager was there and he was like okay we can just go for a coffee and then yeah we had a really cool chat together and it was actually the the only teams who offered me something so yeah I was <laughs> I was lucky to 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 have that that team that offer and um, yeah I'm so happy now that it was this team and not another one because I think that was the best for me. Yeah, definitely. It must be an awesome team to be on because you've got the Commensal bikes, which don't seem to be slow. And uh, <laughs> you've got some super fast teammates as well, haven't you? Yeah, and also they value women a lot. And yeah, that's so cool to be with. At that time, we were like three women elite in the team. So that's pushing us each other. And it's it was really a small structure, which so it's cool. So you don't feel any pressure like, so you have to do a, a result of something and they really like riders on rent, on rent 
um, like they really try to make the riders faster and not just to have a nice or like to to do speeders or some. So they really try like to do training camp for the rider to have a physio to to look really like the riders are the main priority. And then nice. yeah, we try to have a nice image and stuff. But so I think for me as a not young <laughs> in age, but young athlete in the sport, it was really good to be able to do some, a lot of training camps and yeah, exactly be with like really good rider has like uh, Baptiste Piron and Benoit Coulange. I learned a lot how they work on the track with the GoPro and what, how they do testing. Like I never did a testing in my life before. So I was like, Oh, I didn't really know what to do, but I just watched what they did and tried to do the same. And yeah, that was, that was really good for me. Awesome. And were you full time as an athlete then coming into the 2020 season or were you still doing some part time work? Yeah, last last year I I um decided in September to quit my job because mm. it was just too much and then I had a cool deal as well with Doval so I could I could turn pro, let's say. I I still had to sell bags and stuff, but I mean I could still uh, stop my jump, which was really cool. Like um, just after Leo Gang, or just before Leo Gang, I was just told to my job that um, yeah, I'm gonna quit and just try to be full time uh, racer. So yeah, that was that was really cool. That must have put you in quite a nice sort of frame of mind coming into Leo Gang. Then having you know taken that leap to to leave your job and to to set, to leave that all behind, it must have must have felt good turning up at Leo Gang. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, cause you can just enjoy, enjoy once you're back home. I always had like to go to work and the work was a lot like from 5 to 10 PM. So yeah, then you, you, you have time to train, but then you don't really have time to recover. So that was, yeah, that was the best for me. I could just focus on the racing, focus on the recovering. So that was a nice step to, to do. And I, I think that was the right decision as well. Yeah. So how did you how did you feel when you turned up at Leergang and saw the changes they'd made to the track? Because uh, <laughs> there was definitely some interesting responses to that new section. Yeah. So the good thing was that we could race quite a lot of races before, like French Cup, and um, I felt great on the bike and I had some solid results. So I felt quite confident coming into the season. And then yeah, <laughs> I saw the new tracks and normally um i don't really like steep sections so i was like oh they looks steep and i was kind of scared of that bit in the in the forest where it was really st- steep and i was like oh this is gonna be gnarly because it was already wet and then it was so cold as well like it was insane so yeah at the beginning i was a bit stressed and a bit nervous and yeah i was not really happy about the new track but i guess with the time I just saw that I wasn't struggling that much compared to the other or like I was not yeah I could make it down so I was like okay it's gonna be hard but I'm I managed to to ride down so I should be fine and then yeah after quality <laughs> um I did I ended fifth I think yeah and then I was like oh that was my best result ever in in a world champ because the two last world champ I was like 15 and 17 because I crashed all the time uh-huh. and I was like this time this year was just my goal was to do a good run be happy with it and just have a solid result but that's it and then they spoke about 
canceling the race maybe just taking the the quality result because of the the it was supposed to snow like a lot and i was like oh that would be just so good if they cancel the race because i will be fifth so i was really stuck about it i was like praying please <laughs> i was like looking outside and really like praying that the snow come and that we don't have to, to ride this, this track anymore and then in the morning my my father called me and sent me like a, a picture of of the, the station at the top and it was white and I was like, Oh yes, it's full white. I'm sure they're going to cancel it. But then he took the wrong one because the start of the race is at the middle of the station and not the top. Uh. So actually the middle station was all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, Oh, maybe we are still going to have to race. And then, yeah, the finals day, I just went for one run. It was like, chaotic and then i crashed like probably three times and i was like oh my god this is like this is so hard like i just first i wanted to try all the tires and then i was like oh no you know what i just did one run i survived i'm not gonna go up again i'm just gonna save my energy and i just did one run and went back to the hotel in the in the hot in the heat again and then yeah the last the last run was the race run and it went pretty good yeah. Did you make any changes to your bike then after that one run in the morning? Um, yeah, I think I just put more PSI in the fork. Uh-huh. Um, but that was it. Yeah, that was it. What, Cause I was like, why was that? What, what, what made you change it? Cause, um, yeah, it was really steep and the reds were really big. And I think I wanted more support in my fork to feel a bit more confident. So I just said like, okay, just more PSI in my fork and that's good. That should, yeah. It's not gonna, I think it didn't make any difference really, like what setup you had or like which tire you had, because, um, yeah, it was just, <laughs> it was just a war. Yeah, yeah. So, how did you approach your race run then? Because it sounds like you had a fairly rough run in the morning. Did you, did you change how you, you expected to approach it? No, honestly, I was quite down. Like, I was like, I was just happy that it's the last run that I have to do and I was just like my goal was really clear like I just wanted to stay on my bike and it was I had a plan like really clear in my head where I want to ride everywhere was the fast was the safest line mm-hmm. I knew like there were better lines but I I knew like where where the the safest line that I, I knew I could ride and I should be able to stay on my bike so yeah I really knew what I'm what I wanted to do and my main goal was just to stay on my bike and um at the start I remember um we had to be like in a little house little pit because it was so cold like (laughs) that was the only place where they got like heaters and then it was a scream so I saw all the the runs before me and (laughs) that was quite stressful seeing all the girls uh, crashing and then Emily was calling my mechanic from the bottom and saying yeah she just needs to, to stay on the back. Everyone is crashing. So my mechanic told me, yeah, you just have to stay on the back. And I was, yeah, I know. That's the plan. <laughs> you don't need to tell me that again. So, yeah, I knew I, I just have to stay on my bike. And that that's why I tried to do. And luckily, it's what I managed to do. Yeah. What was it like sitting on the hot seat down there? It was really weird. But I didn't really think about that. Like, it was such a relief when I passed this, the finish line that I could make it to the bottom that I didn't cross. I was just so, so happy about my run that 
it took me such yeah, quite a long time to realize that I was actually having the best time and that I could actually make it into the top three. And then I was there and then I was watching like <laughs> the left and the right and seeing people like excited. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm on the podium. And then, oh my God, I, I could win that thing. And then, yeah, it felt unreal. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Was it a strange one though? Because certainly from the outside looking in, it feels like there was a lot of people kind of making excuses for why the big names in both the men's and the women's field maybe didn't get the results that we expected with the conditions and everything. Did did that feeling get to you as well or were you able to enjoy what you'd achieved? The only thing like when I won, it was a bit special because pretty much nobody was there because yeah, it was so close and it was just Emily, my mechanic managed to came back down and Monica, but like my t- all my teammates on my team wasn't there. Like it was not many people at the bottom. So that, that felt strange because it was like so quiet. <laughs> and then, yeah, I didn't, I don't know. I was just so happy, but I kind of knew that people were going to say that, that it was just luck and blah, blah. But I mean, I didn't really think about that at that time. I was just enjoying the moment and I was just so happy. But also I felt a bit, yeah, I think I felt a bit bad to have won it because I know other people are better than me, but I was just like, yeah, <laughs> I, it's not my fault if they all crash. So I was like, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a bit weird for sure. Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? It must have been awesome to have Emily there to share it with you, but kind of tough as well because she got injured in qualifying, was it that week? Yes, exactly. I, I think even before, like in training. So yeah, it was nice to have her at the bottom, but at the same time, um, I know she would have loved to race as well and she can do also really well in those conditions. But um, yeah, she just reacted really, really well. She was really happy for me. I could feel that and that was an honest feeling and that was really nice to be able to share that with her. Yeah. How is that competitive element between the two of you? Because any professional athlete is always going to be fiercely competitive. Does it does it create issues or do you think it helps having that? I think we are quite pretty good with it because since the beginning we we have been competitor and the our role changed because at the beginning I was clearly um slower than her and then it was quite clear that she always has to be to end up in front of me and then it came like a time where I also could be in the front and then and um, that maybe has, that was maybe a bit hard for her when that happens, when I was in the front for the first time. But then I think she also realized that I've been improving a lot. And um, yeah, that it was just for her, it was more difficult because of the people outside saying, oh, what happened to you? Why, why is Cami in front of you? It's because people just didn't realize that I've been getting faster and that she's not she's not bad just like I've been getting faster so that was hard for her hearing from other people saying yeah what happened to you you crash or yeah I think that was that was the most difficult and now I think we can really push each other and help each other and ride together and if I feel more confident and maybe for example um two weeks ago in Logan for the first World Cup, obviously, I felt really confident coming into Leogang because I, I have really good memory and good resistance track. So I was going faster from the beginning so she could follow me. And I'm pretty sure on other track, I will be able to follow her. And um, I think that helped us a lot. 
Yeah. Do you, I mean, you're a pretty powerful combination, right? So you've got a sports science degree. Emily's got a degree in sports psychology, hasn't she? Exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, those two things together in one household, you've got all the bases <laughs> covered, haven't you? Yeah, that's cool. I think we will, we will do a great team um, to have a team. And also like, I hope maybe we can do that in the future, like um, be team manager or like staying, yeah, stay, stay in that environment and try to help other other athletes yeah. but we'll yeah. see right now for sure she's a good <laughs> psychologist to me and she know how to speak to people and and yeah she's just really great for that like she, she always have the good world and and she helped me a lot like in every situation if i'm down or so like she she's always gonna talk to me and 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 bring me up again yeah, that's awesome. Are there any like tools or techniques that Emily's taught you that you found really help you with the psychological side of the sport? Honestly, I'm quite bad, but I'm doing nothing. Okay. <laughs> like I, the only thing I do is uh, visualization before the race. Like I, I, I'm visualizing the, the track as everyone else, but I never do any, any other stuff. Like I think I'm quite lucky to, like I'm, I'd say I'm good at racing. Like uh, I, I felt I have some pressure a little bit, but I don't stress that much. And I think um, that's one of my um, strongness is to race. Like when when I'm when I know it's counting, I can do a really good run. And I think um, yeah, that's one of my strongness. Like I don't, I'm not gonna stress too much. Or I'm not gonna lose um, control or anything. So maybe I should start doing more work about it because I, because I mean, in downhill, uh, Nantel is like a, a huge part of it. And we always say it like, yeah, the Nantel is so important if you're confident, blah, blah. But on the other side, we train like all other stuff, but I don't train the mental side. So yeah, maybe I should, <laughs> but so far I feel like I don't need to, but yeah. yeah I'm interesting. Just, Cool. <laughs> yeah what about the sports science side of things then are there are there certain things that you think are really important for training for downhill these days like what areas do you think are key i think like it's really everyone is different and the good thing about downhill is that you can train um with a lot of different stuff like motocross trail bike you can train on the road bike, on the trail bike. For sure, you need to ride your downhill bike. But um, I think that's really cool and really interesting that you can do a lot of different stuff compared to maybe cross country, where obviously you have to be really good in endurance, so you have to do uh, an amount of um, hours on the bike. And so that's also what what motivates me. Like I think we're doing. Um, some different stuff than other, maybe more balanced stuff, more, um, yeah, reaction stuff. And um, I take a new trainer this year and I really like what we are doing. We're doing a lot of different stuff and every training is, yeah, different. And uh, that's also what I really like about it. Like it's not always every every week the same and we go to the gym and it's like 10 reps or whatever. So, yeah, it's changing a lot. And I think that's really important also to be, challenging every week and to do yeah different stuff because in downhill the track is always different and the weather is changing so I think it's really good if you can uh, adapt to every situation a bit faster and 
Yeah. I think uh, if you looked at the field right now, um, if you looked at Loic Bruni, who is doing a lot of uh, road cycling, for example, like Daniart, who is just mostly training on the downhill bike or motocross, but they are both still really good. So yeah, that, I think that's make downhill bike really interesting because you can come from different backgrounds and train differently and still be fast on the on the bike. Definitely. I've seen you guys doing some reaction timing work with those lighting kits. I'm not exactly sure what they're called, but you have to find the light that's lighting yeah. up and tap it. Do you do you think that helps? And do you ever kind of have you noticed any improvement in that? I'm guessing it's quite hard to to notice. It's going to be relatively subtle, but I'm interested to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, we I bought some Blaze Pod this year and I think it's it's really cool and important as I am so getting older and older <laughs> so um i try to stay as fast as i can um and uh, yeah you can see your reaction time every time so uh, it's easy to compare and to see if you're improving but it's also more i think it's really important to have that eye vision um ready and um i change also my warm-up quite a lot uh, over the over the years yeah over the two years I was doing like push up and, um, like plank and, um, some exercise, but then I kind of realized that it was a bit tiring me. Like, even if it's just 10 push up and I can't do them, I think it's more important to do reaction stuff, um, at the start and just like really quick stuff with ball or like, so I, I now I just go on the roller to be warm and then do some sprints, obviously, to have my heart rate um, a bit higher. But then I don't do any push-up anymore, any strength stuff. I just play um, with my physio and we retrain balls. Like he tell me in which hand I should take which ball. And then we really just do like reaction stuff that my eyes and all my brain <laughs> is wake up and ready to go. And I think... For me, that's what I need before the start. Just like to be quick, ready, and uh, reactive, and I don't feel like I need to do a lot more exercise or like because yeah, the the body is warm and stay warm for anywhere just ten minutes. So when you're going to the stargate, most of the time is more than ten minutes. So yeah, it's like it's it's for nothing. <laughs> it just tired your body for nothing. So I prefer to keep my whole energy for the for the run yeah that's really interesting cool so you you've become world champion incredible congratulations awesome thing to achieve you get literally zero time to rest and you're straight off to maribor but i'm guessing you were kept pretty busy with uh with media like everyone wanted a piece of you in uh in the hours and days after that what was that like I was a bit in a burnout, honestly, because, um, yeah, we had a little party on, on Sunday and it was really nice. I could enjoy it really well. And then on Monday, we were already traveling to Maribor and already in the car, I had to stop to do some interview on Skype. And I was like, <laughs> I can't even like, yeah, I was like going to Maribor, but I was stuck in that world champ um situation where I needed to to make interview and stuff but in my brain I kind of also have to switch to Maribor but everything was so short that it was really hard like I wanted to enjoy still because like I mean it was huge but then I had to switch off and think about the next race and then yeah it was a lot going on 
And yeah, I think it was too much for me or definitely it was too much for me. And then also the weather didn't help. Like I don't like Maribor <laughs> and that was also stressful for me. And then the weather wa- was really bad again. It was really, really cold. We had snow at the top in the apartment. It was freezing. So I think that doesn't help as well, like because of the light and everything, you feel like you're more tired and yeah, we were like wet all the time and yeah, everything <laughs> kind of get really, really hard for me. And I almost, yeah, I had like a breakdown. Like I remember before Quali, I was crying in the apartment. I was like, it was just too much for me. I just, I just wanted to, to be done with those races now because it was already a long season. It was October already. And, and then, yeah, I was, I was not ready for it. <laughs> it was really hard, honestly. Yeah, brutal. But I mean, eighth and a seventh at Maribor, still very, very solid results. And then you're pretty much straight from there to Swiss champs, weren't you, I think? Yeah, exactly. So we had that back-to-back racing in Maribor. So it was that was also the first time. And it's a really physical track, so it was really hard. Like, I didn't know what to do if I, if I should push for the first one and then just do the second one with what I have left or try to have energy for both of the races or like I didn't really know what to do so I tried to be like pretty easy on the first one so I hoped I will still have a lot of energy for the second one but at the end I yeah I was still tired so I should have go full on for the first time and then see but yeah it was special and then yeah straight to Lanzarote uh, for Swiss champ um so that was that was cool it was a bit more chilled um is yeah, easy training and I had really good fun. And then, um, yeah, straight from, from Lanzarote on Sunday to Lusa. So it was, it was quite busy and stressful. Yeah. I bet you were glad for the season to end really after all of that. Yeah, sure. But luckily in Lusa, the weather was nice. The atmosphere was way chiller. Like it wasn't that strict with like the COVID and stuff and it was warm and the sun was there and I enjoy it way more. I love the track as well. So actually, yeah, Lusa was Lusa was okay compared to Maribor. <laughs> yeah, two sixth places there is a not kind of a nice way to end the season. Was your contract up for renewal at the end of 2020? So in 2020, I signed for two years, mm-hmm. but then I was the only rider on the team um, for 2021. All the other was like not with me. So we decided in 2020 to resign me for three years. So I'm like okay. on the same page as everyone else, which was easier for the sponsor and the contract and everything. So I resigned uh, 2020 for 2023. Okay. So I was on the same page with the other. Nice. Was there was there any kind of interest from other teams after that world's result? Nope. <laughs> Interesting. It's, it seems to be really strange. Like, I don't know what you have to do for people to be uh, knocking on your door. I don't know. I think it's really hard as a woman to find a team. So, yeah, you need to be really lucky. And um, anyway, I'll, I wouldn't have changed the team. But, um, yeah, no, nobody asked anything. Yeah. But Dorval is an awesome place to be. Like you said, you've got a super fast teammates, a super fast bike and a a great setup of people there who who look after you as an athlete and you had um you had a, a big pre-season training camp with Dorval this year what what kind of stuff do you get up to on the team camps 
yeah, it was really nice. It was also a long off season because uh, we were supposed to start start the season in March, but yeah, we start just now in June, so it was a long one. So we really had time to to do a lot of work. So we did five training camps, which I think is really good. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we test some material suspension, and then we were really lucky to have. Um, I didn't. I don't know if you heard about it, but like Comensal. Uh, build a track in Pasquet just for the Comensal athlete and Comensal yeah. team and I, that was really great like we could go there for a week and uh, the engineer was there and um, yeah, we learned a lot like the whole team and um, how to organize the, the training camp the, the races how to organize a pit um, what should we do um, yeah basically like everything the whole organization and that was really interesting and yeah we could uh, profit a lot from the engineer with the bike setup as well so that was really cool and then yeah we did other training camps where we tested suspension attire um different yeah different component really and then we tried also to simulate the race at every training camps between us which pushed us a lot and uh yeah at least we kind of race before <laughs> before the season. So I think that was also really good to do just a lot of full run um, with the free lap and, uh, yeah, simulate races and be, be ready to go. That's cool. I'm just trying to think, are you the only team with multiple podium-capable women on? Um, I don't know who else has two girls anyway. There aren't many, are there? There's uh, Phoebe Gales on the FMD squad with Tani, but in yeah, junior, she's yeah. in junior. Elite, but... we are the only one. We were three, now we are two, but still we are the only team with, the, with two women elite. So. Yeah, so that puts you in a good position, I guess, to kind of have a bit more of a feel for where you're at and to have that level of competitiveness away from the races in the preseason. Yeah, for sure. And especially with Monica, because um, we are a lot in the same second but also quite different like we like different tracks so she will be more fan of Maribor and all the stuff that I will be so I think we can really push each other and um, sometimes in training camp she was in front of me sometimes I was faster so for sure we looked at it and uh, <laughs> even if we if it was friendly you still like you want to beat the other one so uh, <laughs> so for sure it's help is exactly the same for the guys like Beno and Baptiste are always in the same second which is crazy and um that pushed both of them like a lot and especially now that Baptiste saw that Benoit can end up on the podium he knows that he has the same speed and I think it's gonna be fire up for the next World Cup. Definitely so have you made any significant changes to the bike in the offseason then with all that support from Comensal and the time at the team camps? Um so we went from the full 29er to the mullet Mm-hmm. Um, that was the biggest difference probably from the component we are exactly the same for Shimano Schwalbe same re- uh, same wheels um, but um, yeah no so yeah the, the frame was different um, wheel size as well but I didn't notice like a huge difference to be honest so that was quite easy to to get used to it yeah. and then uh, in Basquet the guys try another um I don't know what you call it, but another angle stuff to change okay. the suspension working, but then they 
they kept the the original one, and uh, then uh, Murkoff was already on the on the new bike, but um, yeah, just for them and a couple of athletes. But I think no one's really wants to have it now because it's a lot of work if you change the the bike in the middle of the season, then you, you need to set it, set it, set it up again yeah. and get used to it. So honestly, I got the, uh, yeah, I got the question if I would prefer to be on the new bike, like Amir and Nicole is right now, but, um, uh, no, I'm really happy with the bike we have. <laughs> it's a great bike. And I, we did so much work in the off season. That would be almost a shame to change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you get the chance to test the, full 29 are back to back with the mullet then and if so did the how did the times compare no honestly we i first we wanted to Mm -hmm. but then we were like that's that's a lot of work and then if the full 29 feels maybe better on some kind of track then what are you gonna do (laughs) are you gonna switch for the races and then it's so complicated like with the material like because you need other wheels other tires so we're like from the beginning we said to everyone we are going to ride them at that point. <laughs> so we didn't even try the, the own one. So I think that was good because otherwise, um, yeah, I saw Greg Williamson uh, going back and forth and then you're always questioning yourself which one I should take. And I think then, yeah, it depends. I guess everyone is different, but for me it was just easier to stick with one bike and to walk on this bike and, yeah, not to ask myself too, too many questions and just know when I go to races, I'm going to ride this bike and not having another bike in the back head and be like, oh, maybe the full 29er would be better than I think. Yeah, it's getting too complicated. So yeah. no, from the beginning, we decided to be on the mullet and stick with it for the rest of the season. Nice. And so, yeah, 2021 season comes around, a few cancellations early on, like you mentioned in the first round turns out to be Lear Gang, which is obviously somewhere that you've become quite fond of. Um, but it, again, the conditions were, were pretty rough, weren't they? The weather was very changeable, but you're there wearing the rainbow stripes um, at a World Cup for the first time. How how did that feel? Yeah, I I don't know. I'd never felt that confident before. <laughs> it was strange, but like from day one, I felt really good on my back, even though it was the first race. I was like just having fun on the track and... I didn't stop much. I never crashed once. I was just like really having fun. I knew the lines from last year. The, the wood looks really similar. Like it was raining and the wood was wet from the beginning, from day one. So I felt back home, honestly. And I felt like, yeah, I felt like I had a good pace and I just didn't look at the other rider. I just did my training. And then also I didn't want to do the time training. So yeah, just I didn't want it to to have other time and maybe be disappointed or whatever. So I was like, nah, I'm not going to do the time training. <laughs> and then, yeah, um, I don't know. I've just felt really good. And in quali, I had a good run. I just um, went into a tree in the wood and I went like, I just being like pushed out of my bike. But luckily I could stay on my foot and my bike was just next to me. So I just could just run and uh, jump back on it. And I end up fifth, which was uh, really cool. And then uh, it started to dry um, a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, condition was faster and faster. And I was a bit scared that it would be too fast for me. <laughs> I kind of like it when it's wet and sketchy. 
So I was like, uh, please, <laughs> a bit of friend would be nice. But then, yeah, it just, the sun came and finally I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to try to ride the top a bit more aggressive and then just do a nice wood because, yeah, I've, I think the, the race is won in the wood and nowhere else. So I was like, just clean run at the, dot, the top and then um, I had a really good flow in the wood and could kept my feet on the pedal and yeah, I just had a really good run. And then it was, uh, yeah, I just did what I wanted to. And, um, I didn't expect it to be enough to take the win, but like, it was just amazing, uh, amazing feeling. Yeah. Yet again, you're sat at the bottom of Lear gang in the hot seat, wait, waiting to see what happens. And uh, yeah, exactly. four then riders you, left on the hill. <laughs> you're at the bottom and there was nothing you can do. So you just wait and see what happens but honestly like yeah Valley looked really fast and I knew she she's gonna be the fastest but yeah I think she's still young and made a little little mistake at the bottom uh, she was probably not concentrated enough like she was like finishing the wood and be like oh I killed it and then probably um yeah missed the focus a little bit but um, she still has time to to win like a lot of races Definitely, <laughs> and, yeah. 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 How did it feel to take that win then and, and to kind of back up that, that result from Worlds? Yeah, that feels great because obviously like a lot of people were saying it was just luck last year. So um, I kind of proved that even if it's dry, I can win this race. So that felt really great and um, for sure had some more confidence. Um, and I was pretty, I didn't know what to expect it because it was the first race for me this season. So it's always like, uh, you don't know if you did a good off season or not. So yeah, I was really happy with the job we'd done with the team. And um, yeah, we, we have a really, really great atmosphere in the team and everyone is pushing each other and we have a new setup as well, which is um, really cool, really comfy and yeah, I, just everything um, is perfect at the moment, and that's also why I think we are doing so great with the with the whole team. Yeah, and it's your first time now with the leaders jersey. How does that feel? Oh yeah, yeah. So now it's everything. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's really close, but yeah, I didn't expect that as well. Um, honestly, I don't really think about it. I think I will wear it. I mean, it was going to be sick to have the number plate, the one number played in yellow leading uh leading the the world cups with the team as well um but yeah i'm just gonna road cali qualification as good as i can but i even though I, my goal is to finish uh top five overall uh, i think it's a bit too early for me to think about the overall now so i just do what i'm doing all the time just ride my bike having fun try to be as fast as I can, but I'm not going to put pressure on me to win that. Honestly, I just, I will wear it for the quality and then we'll see. And it's not, it's not in my mind now to like think about that overall, even though it will be a dream for me one day. But I think right, right now I just want to enjoy the process and then we'll see what happened. <laughs> so that, that result in Gang doesn't change your expectations for the season then? No, I don't think so. I'm just really happy to see that I can win for sure. Like that was a goal for me and I didn't expect that to be like at the first races or even that this year. But now I just, yeah, I just want to improve, get better and better and we'll see. I mean, for sure, Leogang is a good track for me. 
Uh, it's not always the case. I really like Leger. We'll see. It's a whole new track this year. So I don't really know what to expect it, but I really like Leger before and I'm excited for this race. And uh, I guess we'll see. My main goal is always to stay healthy. Um, I'm a old, <laughs> I'm a old uh, mama now, so I need to take care <laughs> of my body. <laughs> so yeah, my <laughs> my goal is to stay in one piece, be able to do the all the World Cup again, and then I'm gonna be the, the happiest one. Yeah. What What do you think it would take for you to kind of be continually on the level? of the of the top of the women's sport because that level every year is is raising significantly and i think you know valley coming in is pushing it up another notch like yeah. what do you think you need to work on personally to be able to take that win kind of week in week out i think it's a bit of everything honestly because um yeah i'm not racing since a long time so i'm sure i can still improve pretty much everything my technique uh, my lines my my setup everything so i i think it, I can really step up um, everything at the moment, which is cool. Um, but yeah, every year we just have to be better, like uh, in the strong, like strong, like power in the legs. And because we have some tracks where you really need to that power um, and that's making the difference or yeah, just my technique. I I'm, was trying to work a lot of my cornering <laughs> this of winter because I know like, I can, yeah, I'm not the best at it. So, yeah, a lot of things, honestly, and everyone is improving. But I think um, I'm lucky that I'm not that old to the sport. So normally I should improve a bit faster than some girls that are doing it uh, since 10 years or more. So um, I hope I can still um, get better and better and better. <laughs> yeah, you're still on the steep part of the curve for sure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I read somewhere that your sporting idol is Michael Jordan and he's uh, he's definitely up there as one of the greatest and most driven athletes that's ever lived. What is it about him that you look up to and how does that influence your approach to downhill? I don't know if I'm influenced by him in how I train because obviously he was such a good athlete. I'm probably not as uh, good as him to train like so hard like he did <laughs> because yeah it was just crazy like he did always more than everyone else on the team and it was just so good and yeah it was just the best so I don't think I'm um, I'm like him like but um for me just like such a great athlete um always doing the best he could putting putting the team also first and um he was also good in basketball. He was good at everything he, he did. So for me, it's just like, yeah, it's a great uh, example. And um, yeah, it was also when I was young, um, he was one of the best athletes at the time. And I watched some games and I was just like, I think basketball is really cool. And <laughs> that's why I'm, I was a huge fan of him. Nice. Good stuff. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time, but we've got our final four questions that we've asked pretty much everybody so we'll hit those up the first one is if our listeners had 150 pounds which i think is about 190 swiss francs to improve their performance on a bike what would you recommend they go and spend it on i'll say good brakes i think okay. yeah what brakes are you using um the shimano xtr uh-huh 
Um, yeah, I think um, it's something you use all the time on the bike. And for 190, you can really buy a better frame. So I think for that amount of money, I will try to have good brakes. We are, we are reliable, how you say it? <laughs> yeah, reliable, that's right. Reliable. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so then you feel safer uh, if you know it's breaking well and not changing all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll go for that. Do you do anything unusual or special in the setup of your brakes? Maybe at the moment I'm running the resin pads in the front and metal pads at the back, okay. which uh, I changed him Leo Gang because he was wet. So normally I'm riding the full resin ones front and back, but the metal one has like a better like um, yeah, stronger, but also yeah. less progressive, which normally I don't like. But when it's wet, then uh, it's still giving you more braking. So uh, yeah, that's why I'm running right now, which is a okay. bit special, I guess. Would you swap back if it's dry in Leger to resin front and rear, do you think? Or might you carry on with that and see how you get Yeah, on? maybe, but I kind of forget about it in Innsbruck. <laughs> and I was riding it and it was it was okay. I get used to it. So we'll see. I don't know yet. <laughs> Yeah, cool. All right. Second question. If you could wind the clock back and sit down with your 16 year old self, what advice would you give her? Oof. Um, maybe to be a little bit more patient. I'm not a patient girl and I always want things to be done and really fast. And I think sometimes it's good because then I'm pushing myself to be better, faster, or like to do stuff like straight away. But sometimes I could just a bit chill and um, taking time to do stuff properly. Yeah, I'm very, uh, very much the same. Patience isn't something I have much of. (laughs) All right, third question. If you could have a coaching session from anyone, who would it be and what would you want to learn from them? Oof. Hmm. I'll have a few in mind, but if, um, you can have more than one, it will be, yeah, I will go with Greg Mina, who is the most experienced writer and he knows so much. That would be just so interesting to be coached by him. Um, but then, yeah, I'll like to be, to do it with Troy Bosnan for the cornering. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> it's just so, so good at cornering and so clean at keeping speed everywhere. So yeah, too many good riders out there. But yeah, I, if I have to choose one, I go for Greg Minar because he's just the most experienced one. And obviously he knows so many stuff. He yeah. could help is, me for sure. Is there a particular element of Greg's riding or racecraft that you'd want to pick into? I really love that he's so consistent over the years. I mean, he's almost never injured, always at the top, even though it's 39 now. And um, yeah, it just, that's for me, is the most impressive that is not, it's so consistent and that, yeah, he can still win, which is so hard to do. Um, for me, it's just, yeah, it just, <laughs> it's the gold. <laughs> yeah, it blows my mind for sure. All right, last question. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you? Um, I think I try to do different stuff every day. Um, little stuff like just uh, do my training, first of all. Like I open the plan and look what I have to do and try to do it. So I feel better after it. And then also try to eat properly properly fuel my body the best I can 
And uh, if I feel like um, my body is hurting or everything, I try to have a massage or do some yoga. So, yeah, I think I just try to do what I have to do, um, but also take time to recover, just chill, what Netflix or whatever, have a coffee with friends. So I'm probably not the one who's training the most, um, I would say, but I try to, when I train, uh, to make it count. And yeah, that's it. Good stuff. All right. Well, it's been uh, it's been really interesting chatting, and we've got an exciting season of racing left to come this year. And I'm really really excited to see how you get on. If people want to follow you, where's the best place for them to head? Um, Instagram. I don't have any website or so. So Instagram okay. is where I'm the most active. Cool. Campbell, Campbell. Excellent. I'll put a link in the show notes. And you you've got um, a YouTube channel as well. You've been doing a little bit of like preseason. Yeah, stuff, exactly. Yeah. I was, but then, <laughs> uh, for me, it was a bit too stressful to keep going during the World Cup, so I stopped right now. But uh, yeah, I did some some uh, getting ready episodes, and I tried to put some uh, pop video of like full full runs of uh, the World Cup track or whatever. So yeah, you can find me on YouTube as well. Awesome. I'll put a link in the show notes. So people can go and check that out as well. Nice one. Well, thanks a lot for your time, and uh, looking forward to seeing you popping that leader's jersey on in Leger in a few days' time. I hope it goes uh, goes well and, yeah, best of luck for, for the rest of the season. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Chris. All right, that's it for this episode with Camille. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. There's just one thing left for you to do, and that's to head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP and leave us your name and email address to make sure that you're amongst the first people on the planet to find out what we're up to. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can get your hands on our range of merch by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all the proceeds going to help improve the podcast. If you're still listening and you've got a bit of time, then there are a few ways that you can help out. Tell your mates about the podcast because the more people who listen, the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. Share the episodes on your social media. It's a great way to spread the word and to get some buzz going around the episodes too. And if you fancy it, then a review on Apple Podcasts goes a long way too. All right, there's another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and ride. (laughs)